Welcome to the Pantsuit Nation podcast. Pantsuit Nation is an online community of 3.7 million people who have come together to build political and social power for women and our allies through activism, advocacy, and the power of personal narrative. Um, I'm Courtney Tunis, one of the founders of Pantsuit Nation, and over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking to women who are running for office and making a difference when it comes to getting people out to vote. And it is really exciting for me because I get to talk to people who I really look up to, whose stories I've been able to follow in the media and hear a little bit about what makes them tick and what gets them excited about um, doing this kind of work. And this is so important because it's been a really, really hard um, few weeks. We've got a lot of things going on in the news that have been really frustrating from Kavanaugh getting confirmed to um, watching the challenges with the response to Hurricane Michael. And um, this is, it's a tough time. And the people that I'm talking to to are the kind of people that are optimistic enough about our democracy to want to get in there and participate, and that is really exciting for me. We've got two guests on the podcast today. Carolyn DeWitt is our first guest, so let's listen in on that conversation. Carolyn DeWitt is the president and executive director of Rock the Vote, the nation's largest organization focused on building long-term political power for this country's most diverse youth generation. Prior to leading Rock the Vote, Carolyn was the chief of staff for the political communications firm Pivot, and she also served as deputy director coordinating satellite media booking and training teams for the 2012 Democratic National Convention. On a local level, Carolyn worked as the chief of staff for Alderman Daniel Solis in Chicago and as the deputy campaign manager and finance director for Chicago's 25th Ward Regular Democratic Organization. Um, Carolyn has also worked abroad and researched the end of apartheid and subsequent building of a democratic state in South Africa and served as senior international advisor collaborating with the youth political movement in Madagascar and participated in the Constitution of Kenya Review Commission. Um, welcome to the Pantsuit Nation podcast, Carolyn. Hi, thanks for having me so much. Excited to be here. Um, so I have to say, I remember Rock the Vote so vividly from when I was a young adult, like really hard MTV push in the 90s and 2000s. And I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about how Rock the Vote has evolved since its founding. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Rock the Vote, you're correct, has been around for nearly 30 years working to build the political power of young people. A lot has changed um, in the, uh, let's say, political, social, racial, and uh, media landscapes um, during that time. And so one of the things that has, you know, really upheaved and kind of changed the way the organization has had to work is uh, this little thing called the Internet um, <laughs> was started. <laughs> um, so, you know, back in the 1990s, you could have a PSA, put it on MTV, and, uh, you know, the content would last for a long time, and you would reach 90% of young people. And so now today, obviously, the media landscape with the internet is very different. And that also has changed things like, you know, who who are trusted messengers, where, where young people, young people are able to curate um, their own news and information and, you know, mm. even create their own um, content. And so one of the things that we have done is really tried to provide infrastructure and resources for individuals who want to be doing this work. So whether they're individuals or whether they're local partners. So 
we, for instance, a lot of people don't know, we do, we work on the back end of a lot of um, movement. So what that means is in 1999, before any state created online voter registration, we actually created a tool that would pre-populate a PDF form. Now, fast forward hmm. to today, we have um, 36 states plus uh, DC who offer online voter registration. So our tool um, pre-screens to determine if you can register to vote in your state um, online, and then um, and then walks you through that process. If not, it perf- it um, pre-populates a PDF form um, that then you can send in, and it gives you the address of where to send it in. We make that into a white label and widget form. This is getting a little technocratic, but um, <laughs> so partners. But we offer it for free to partners. And so um, when we all vote, the Women's March, uh, March for Our Lives, these are all NAACP, all of these groups actually use our tool. Um, And so, for instance, in 2016, we had 900 partners use the tool to register 1.7 million. And then there's another added layer, layer into that, which is anyone who comes through the tech then gets signed up for election reminders. Um, and those election reminders turn out uh, voters at more than 30 points higher than the national youth average. So our turnout rate is 30 points higher. So that's just one piece, you know, of, of sort of how, what we, how we operate is very much behind the scenes. But then mm-hmm. we also still do partnerships with um, brands. So we work with Levi's and Tom's Shoes and HBO and Tinder uh, to really reach young people where they are. Um, you know, whether they're employed, whether they're following these brands and, you know, whether they're customers of them. And then what we also do is work with trusted messengers to get push information out. Um, And we can get into that a little bit in the discussion. But um, yeah, so it's a very different model than, than we used in the past. That is so interesting. And just, it's really amazing to hear the evolution of this, um, this organization just because it's you've kept pace with where the youth are and that's so critical to remaining relevant and I I think that's awesome Um, and I was wondering uh, what are the issues that are really popping up as mattering to youth voters in this election cycle um, that are integrated into the way that you communicate with them about why it's important to get out and vote? Yeah, so great question. That's another thing that's kind of changed over the time. It used to be that no one was talking to young people back in the 1990s. And now, thankfully, many more people, there's a lot of energy and a lot of people are like trying to figure that out. Um, And so the, the issues are, you know, it's not surprising issues. Actually, the number one issue that keeps coming up over and over again is not exclusive to young people. It's it's the economy, you know, mm. um, the upper end of young people, millennials were hit hardest by the recession, quite frankly. And there's still a lot of them still have uh, their career trajectory is actually impacted by it. Um, so the economy still seems to be the number one issue, especially when you think about the rising cost of education and sort of how young people are feeling. Can I afford even to go to college? Do I need to get a part-time or full-time job to be able to do that? And then you look at, you know, the other issue that obviously has been made very um, put out in the public that I think a lot of young people have been thinking about, you know, whether they're in the suburbs or whether they're in the city in an urban area is the issue of gun violence, certainly. Um, But then also with young people of color in particular, we're seeing 
um, you know, issues like criminal justice reform, police brutality, basic civil rights issues that um, we really need to address and that they are looking for uh, people who are representing them to address. Yeah, that's um, so critical to, I think, like the idea of building the future that you want to see. And so often it's a sort of top-down type of thing of the older people saying this is, you know, these are the decisions that we're making. And what I really appreciate is empowering the young people to say, like, no, I'm going to take stake in what will become the world that I will be an adult in. Um, And I think that's something that I – sort of wish I had thought more about when I was younger. And so I love that, um, that this is your organization is, is helping people do that. Well, yeah. I mean, the amazing thing about young people is they're so smart. I hate this, you know, the misnomer that young people are apathetic and they don't know what's Mm. going on and they're not engaged. This generation is the most educated, the most in touch with information, if anything, it's an information overload because they have so much information that, you know, at their fingertips. Um, And they, they're very passionate about the issues. And not only that, they understand how they're in their, they're related to one another, right? None of these issues exist on their own. They all serve, they all serve, um, in, in, I would say, a web of the other kind of progressive issues that we see young mm-hmm. people caring about. You can't talk about, like, economic justice if you're not talking about racial justice because you can still be treated, right? You can still be treated mm-hmm. um, or, even, or even thinking about fair wages, right, or equal pay or any of those issues, but actually then go into... Um, they're, they're not singular issues. And young people very much understand that because they're living it. Yeah, that it, that makes perfect sense. And I think that um, one of the things that I'm also interested in is um, how you're communicating those ideas. You touched a little bit on it, but what are some of the initiatives that Rock the Vote is particularly excited about for those sort of communications plan with young people as we come into this very critical midterm election? So, um, so the way we communicate that a lot of times um, right now, because we are in the election season, is young voters don't participate at the rate that older voters do, in large part because they're new voters, they're new to the process. So there's the logistics of being unfamiliar with the process and consequences of things like registering and voting, but also mm-hmm. voter information, knowing, you know, what are what are the roles and responsibilities of different um, offices, but also then looking at where the candidates fall on the issues um, that they'll be able to make an impact on. So um, we've seen obviously in, well, not obviously if you're not following it, but there's been a lot of education done about what district attorneys do, for instance, and their Mm -hmm. role in the the criminal justice system. Because of that education, and then put on top of it, um, education about the candidates and where they fall sort of in how how they view the criminal justice system and how they view, you know, how broken it is. Um, You've seen in places like Chicago or in Philadelphia in 2017, we saw youth turnout increased from 2013, the last DA race, to 2017 by 279 percent. So imagine if we saw that increase. Yeah, right. So it's not, it's just, it needs to be broken down in a very Mm -hmm. different, you know, in 
a in a different way because the reality is civic education has gone by the wayside in our schools. That is not a problem of teachers or or the schools themselves. They are working very hard. That just has to do with how at the largely at the state and national level we're prioritizing civic education. So um for instance, we have 10 states that don't require civic education at all. That's 20% of our country. We have mm. 31 states that only require a semester. So your entire K-12 education, you're getting a semester of civics education. A lot of times that requirement can be fulfilled with a normal you know, government or U.S. history class, which really isn't the practical civics education that young people need in order to participate in our democracy. And so that's one of the initiatives that Rock the Vote has focused on is um, we launched a program uh, about a month ago called Democracy Class, in which it's the free curriculum to teachers, to community leaders. Anyone can take it. Um, you can download it. And it teaches about the history and importance of voting. And then the exciting thing is right after learning about the, you know, learning about our democracy, uh, young people are able to engage in it by registering and by voting immediately after they learn about it. Um, and that, that then puts them into, you know, I am part of this. I am an active participant um, right away. And so that, that's sort of the what we are working on. And then pivot to... Uh, get out the vote efforts right now. It's a lot of education and our election center, which allows individuals to look up their sample ballots. The other pieces that we're pivoting to get out the vote efforts, we're actually um, pushing out information to young people to then connect them with tools like our polling place and sample ballot lookup tool, which includes office descriptions, links to candidate websites, and their social media channels so that young people can actually do the research to determine who aligns most with their values. Um, and then things like state catalogs of what's needed to actually participate. So things like what kind of documentation is required do they have early vote options and locations um, and absentee ballot request, you know, options and process and, and so forth. And then we have voter guides for target states as well. All of that sounds so comprehensive and amazing. And one of the things that's kind of churning through my head as you're talking about this is that, you know, one of the things we see in Pantsuit Nation is just how many new voters are engaged, that people are really excited about learning more about the political process. And I love the idea of a, a young person doing that research and then maybe sharing that with their parents or their grandparents or their guardians um, that are also new and newly civic engaged and that this is a tool that you've built with young people in mind but it really sounds universally useful for anybody that is just trying to increase their own um, understanding of how civics works yeah that's exactly right everything that we produce um in all the resources all the tools all the information that we put out there is you know young people first, meaning it's designed with young people in mind. So when young people were using their phones to access information mm -hmm. before older generations were, we were designing it mobile first, right? But these resources are available to anyone who wants to use them. Individuals who are part of Camp Student Asian can actually take democracy class. They can go to their local school. They can say, hey, we'd love you to participate in this. We have school districts who have now signed up up because a community member went to them and said, hey, you know, someone who's on the PTA or the local school board said we want we want the school to be part of this initiative and effort and it's something we're doing every, you know, every um, year. And then we also have this really cool program right now for Get Out the Vote efforts 
where not only are we offering all the digital resources, but um, Rock Devote is, is known for our events. And so we are launching a program called Vote Fest, um, in which it kind of groups our events that we focus on early vote um, with also providing toolkits and resources for individuals in communities and local groups uh, to put on their own sorts of their own sort of event. So we are trying to making the voting experience social and celebratory and communal, and that can actually increase voter turnout by as much as four percent. So mm-hmm. whether it's you know a big festival that you want to put on at the polling place, whether it's you're part of a running or yoga group and you want to do a run to the polls in the morning, um, or you want to schedule some sort of you know brunch with the girls and go vote and then have brunch after or you want to move your your local far, farmers market to you know Tuesday Tuesday at the polling place on election day there are all sorts of creative ways and we're super excited because as you guys are also seeing like there's such a swell of energy and uh, you know just individuals in community and in communities that are not formalized organizations and that's just really inspiring to see That sounds incredible. So tell me about where our listeners can find more information about Rock the Vote, all of these cool initiatives, follow you on social media, that kind of thing. Yeah. So our social media handles, um, we have Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram are all Rock the Vote. Um, We also have uh, the, on our website is rockthevote.org. You can also put in rockthevote.com. It will still take you there. Very easy. (laughs) Um, And then um, under sort of take action and resources, you can find everything from shareable graphics to the widgets and resources I was telling you about earlier, democracy class, and then Vote Fest as well. Um, So all of that is on our website at rockthevote.org. Carolyn, thank you so much for joining me on the Pantsuit Nation podcast today. This has been such an interesting conversation. I'm so excited about what Rock the Vote is doing to engage the youth vote, and I really appreciate you telling us a little bit about it. Well, thank you so much for having me, and keep up the great work for you guys, too. I'm excited to see you guys out there. It was so amazing to get a chance to speak to Carolyn about how she's reaching youth voters. Definitely share with all of the young people in your life the Rock the Vote resources. Um, And now let's talk to a candidate who is running for office and is going to make history, Deb Holland. Deb Holland is the Democratic congressional nominee for New Mexico's first district, and she is a graduate of the University of New Mexico and the University of New Mexico Law School, and she's an enrolled member of the Pueblo of Laguna. Deb grew up in a military family. Both of her parents served in the armed forces, and she has already achieved a number of firsts, including being the first Native American woman to chair a state party. In her term as state party chair, Deb led New Mexico to be one of the only two states in the country to flip its state house from red to blue. And Deb will be the first Native American woman in Congress when she is elected in November. Um, I'm so thrilled to have her on the podcast. Welcome, Deb. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. So you have worked in the Democratic Party in New Mexico for a long time. Um, Previously, you were also the Democratic nominee for lieutenant governor of the state of New Mexico. How did these previous experiences prepare you for this um, important and historic run for Congress? Well, um, you know, I, I am so fortunate to have worked hard across our state, getting out the votes in underrepresented communities, building relationships with uh, rural communities across the state, and, um, you know, showing up when I needed to show up. So I feel like mm. people 
uh, across the state, know that I work hard. Uh, that's a precursor to, to any campaign that anyone goes to undertake <laughs> because it's a lot of hard work. And so uh, I was able to find um, a lot of support and uh, have the support to win my primary. And now uh, we're engaging uh, people across this district, voters across the district, um, and working extremely hard to talk to every single voter we possibly can uh, so that we can get our folks to the polls and get them to vote early, especially. That is um, such an incredible groundwork to have laid. And I think you're exactly right that that's so critical. And one of the things that I think is a really a through line with a lot of the people that we have seen be successful in their campaigns is that the understanding of their work ethic. Um, And I'm wondering when you're out there knocking on those doors with the people in your district, what are the most important things that people are talking to you about? What are they looking for you to do for them? Well, you know, there's, Right now, here in District 1, we elected officials need to create an environment where people, uh, where there's more jobs available for folks. And these are, Mm. you know, these need to be livable wage jobs where people can actually uh, afford to, you know, have uh, a roof over their family's heads without, you know, juggling between utilities and rent or, or something of that nature. So um, I am one of the biggest issues in my campaign has been fighting climate change uh, and also moving our our state towards uh, a renewable energy economy. And I believe that mm-hmm. that is a way forward for all of us. I've also talked a, a great deal about our education system and uh, believe that if we were to uh, legalize cannabis, that that would be a new funding stream for our public schools so that every child would have an opportunity for an early childhood education. Those are, you know, those are fundamental things that, that I think every community deserves to have. And um, New Mexico is no different. So um, additionally, it's, it's ensuring that every New Mexican, and quite frankly, every person in this country has um, mm. affordable and accessible health care. So uh, I think those are all things that would help our country tremendously and, and things that I would work uh, toward and for when I'm in Congress. That is such a common through line um, that it's amazing that, of course, every district in every state has different kinds of important, um, you know, demographic differences and the things that will affect how their congressperson is, you know, arriving in Washington and what they're going to do. But it really comes back to the things that you were talking about, education, the economy, um, health care, that are really those, those fundamental things that make people feel um, safe and heard and like they can thrive. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, So one of the things that I know about um, your work in New Mexico that has often included, among other critical things, um, really important work in Native American communities around voting and activism. And I'm wondering how you see that work continuing or evolving um, in Washington. Um, What will you bring with you and what will you bring back to your state um, that is serving the Native American communities? Here in New Mexico... Uh, Native Americans couldn't vote until 1948. Uh, there was a, a lawsuit filed by a veteran of the Marine Corps who is also a tribal member here in New Mexico, uh, sued the state of New Mexico so that Native Americans would have a right to vote. That was 70 years ago. And it's ironic that today, in 2018, 70 years later, that we're still fighting some of those battles. The, the, those Native Americans 
in North Dakota who are facing uh, voter suppression uh, through mm-hmm. a, a, a law that was essentially upheld by the United States Supreme Court. And so it's always something, right? We're always fighting to get what's ours. And, and so mm-hmm. um, it, it makes me want to fight hard to make sure that, that we can just give people the right to vote. Like, don't have any mm. obstructions for anyone who wants to register, who wants to vote, uh, and and maybe put finally put a rest once and for all to um, to all of these laws that pop up, or or the repeal of laws, or the addition of laws that that just put roadblocks in front of people. Um, I I want to find solutions to that because we should. Uh, by all means, uh, continue to make it easier for people to vote, not harder. Yeah, it's it's really um, disheartening. You know, you brought up the, the case in New Mexico to see something like that that is so clearly a step in the wrong direction. Um, and the I feel like it's so beneficial to have someone like you who has been doing the work to empower and enfranchise people to be able to be part of a um, you know new kind of coalition coming into Washington that's specifically looking at a group of people that I think um, hasn't necessarily been given the attention that other marginalized communities have been given when it comes to voting rights. And um, I'm, I'm really hopeful as much as the Supreme Court decision has been discouraging um, that the the new wave of people coming in are going to make a difference. Absolutely. Yes. I, I mean, I think we I we have to make a difference. Um, you know, right now in uh, the situation and also in Georgia, it's very disheartening, mm-hmm. right? The, uh, the secretary of state, who's also the governor candidate, uh, managing mm-hmm. his own election that uh, I just feel like there there are, you know, we need to be able to give uh, people uh, confidence in our electoral process. And, and so anything I can do to make sure that we are um, giving that confidence to the people, that's what I absolutely would like to do. Absolutely. So I'm wondering about your actual kind of experience of running for office itself. Um, has there been anything unexpected about the the process of running for um, this congressional seat? Well, I mean, you know, anytime you run uh, a campaign, it absolutely, uh, it's a lot of hard work. And um, when I first started this, there were a number of folks who, who said I couldn't raise the money. Um, I mean, I had never run a con- congressional campaign before, and um, mm-hmm. so I just felt like I needed to overcome any of the negativity that I was uh, hearing or or that uh, I was experiencing. So I just, you know, I put my foot on the gas. I got a great team in place. Uh, we all worked extremely hard. We raised the money. We got our voters out to vote, and um, and now we we're just continuing that process. Here in the general election, but um, but otherwise, um, you know, as we've stated, I've been involved in in a lot of campaigns here in New Mexico. I felt uh, like I I feel like I have a really large uh, networking capability. So uh, I was able to get a lot of volunteers into my office, and and we're just continuing uh, to reach out to every voter possible. I mean, that's the name of the game. I think. Whatever, you know, when you're running a campaign, even if you're behind a few points in the polls, uh, if you have a stellar ground game, I really feel like you can make up for so much 
uh, just on the doors and on the phone. So uh, that's exactly uh, what I've done and what I'll continue to do. I, I love that so much because I think it speaks to one of the things that we talk about in Pantsuit Nation so often is just how important it is when you are a person who's engaged and wants to support the candidates that you believe in to really get out there and, and give your time if you have it. Um, that knocking on doors and, and pounding the pavement um, makes the biggest difference for those people. Um, and so, you know, the have you found that a lot of people are um new volunteers to, um, is this the first time that they're, they're working with a campaign or did you really, um, you know, what's the balance of, of new people getting involved and people that you had tapped before? Right. No, you know, I have talked to a lot of people who have said, this is the first time I've ever stepped out. This is the first time. I mean, some people, it's the first time they ever, they've ever donated to a campaign. Mm. So I, I feel like this administration uh, that we've experienced um, for the last couple of years has uh, played a part in activating a lot of voters and a lot of participants. So, um, I, I mean, look, we, it's up to us to, to make the change that we want to see in this country. And, and um, yes, there are a lot of new people coming into the fold and, and working hard when they never believe that they they would see themselves in that role, but uh, we're seeing leaders across our state for sure uh, stepping up and uh, becoming precinct chairs and ward chairs and and running phone banks and 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 it's very you know it's such a wonderful thing uh, when you mm-hmm. can see that you know your hard work to activate people is is actually doing just that so. Uh, so we're excited. This Saturday, it will be the first day of where, where all of the early voting sites across our state are open. And uh, so I intend to vote on Saturday. But already the Democrats are outpacing the Republicans um, in all of the early voting that we've had, the early absentee voting. That's incredible. That er- Those early voting days are so important. And it's something that I know um, is we see being pushed in Pantsuit Nation. And it's really exciting to see how many people are taking advantage of early voting. And it's also really exciting to see people who are voting early and then going and volunteering in other states or other districts so that they can um, be of help in getting that vote out. And it's just awesome to see all of this energy. Um, and I think it's, it's going to be a really amazing thing to see how that affects turnout in the midterms, a, a, a voting time that is usually um, not very activated. And it almost feels like a general election in terms of how excited people are. It does. It does. So, uh, so yes, it's imperative that we win back the House. It truly is. We have to. Yes. Uh, we have to win the House back in order to hold the Republicans' feet to the fire, in order to hold uh, the president accountable and so, um, so I'm doing everything I can, aside from uh, working super hard to get my voters out here in District 1 in New Mexico. We are helping candidates across the country, um, you know, in the red to blue seats. Uh, and mm-hmm. and I, I really, you know, I have a great feeling about this election. I feel like we'll be successful, uh, but um, I, I know across the country, uh, nobody is, is going to quit working until... Uh, November 6th at 7 o'clock. So, <laughs> so, uh, so I, look, I look forward to that, right? We're just going to keep our feet yes. on the until then. I feel the same way. Really optimistic, but know that it will take hard work to get there. So I, I'm yes, right there yes, with yes. you. 
So Deb, where can our listeners find more information about your campaign and, and follow you on social media? Yes, thank you so much for asking that. So you can go to debforcongress.com, D-E-B-F-O-R, congress.com. And um, I'm on Twitter. I think it's Deb, D-E-B, the number four, uh, N-M, Deb for Congress, N-M, I think, uh, on my Twitter. But <laughs> if you go to my website, you'll be able to see my Twitter, my Facebook, my Instagram account, and uh, you can follow us there. But if you just uh, type, you know, Google Deb Holland, D-E-B-H-A-A-L-A-N-D, um, all of my social media platforms should come up, my, my, um, and you can follow me there. Uh, you can reach out to our campaign. Uh, you can, um, yes, follow, retweet, repost, uh, help us out that way. Uh, we, we're we're uh, working hard and feeling optimistic about this campaign. I'm feeling so optimistic, and I'm so, so thrilled and excited for you. Thank you so much for Thank joining me on the you. podcast today, Deb. Thank you so yes, much. Get, I really appreciate Keep it up the great work. Yes, I second that. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Deb. Have a good day. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. It was just inspiring to talk to Deb. She feels like such an authentic civil servant who has been out there doing this work for so long. And I'm so looking forward to seeing what she can do when she goes to Washington. So um, if you're in New Mexico, as Deb said, early voting starts on Saturday. So get out there and remind all your friends that are in New Mexico um, to go vote and vote for Deb. So um, we've got another voter registration roundup for the call to action this week. Um, And just like last week, I'm going to let you know the dates of the deadlines and uh, the states that you can vote and if there's any special things about how to register to vote this, this coming week. So um, in Illinois, the online registration deadline is October 21st, but voters can register in person on or before election day. So October 21st, Illinois online registration deadline. October 22nd sees Alabama as a registration deadline and California as a registration deadline, but you can register in person through election day in California. Um, Also October 22nd is South Dakota and Wyoming. And in Wyoming, you can register at the polls on election day. Um, So New Hampshire, the registration days are from October 24th. Sorry. In New... Sorry. Cut that New Hampshire part. October 24th through 31st represent the deadlines to register in New Hampshire. Now, New Hampshire is a special place because the deadline dates vary by town. And you also have Election Day registration available. So definitely check out your town's website. Make sure what the the rules are where you live specifically in New Hampshire. When you check in with your friends, make sure they know what the rules are. But of course, also make sure they know that they can register in person on Election Day. So go to vote.org to check your registration status and to register to vote. Um, Ask your friends and family, hound your friends and family so that they go out and do the same. Um, It is so, so important. I can't stress this enough, but just make sure that people know about their registration deadlines. If you know people that live in the states that I just listed, that those are coming up in the coming week. So um, also, it's really important that we drive out the votes, and I'm just going to keep beating this drum until Election Day itself. Visit thelastweekend.org to sign up for shifts working to get out the vote in the weekend before the Election Day. Um, that It's going to make a huge difference how many people we have out there knocking on doors. So if you can be one of those people, please sign up for a shift, get out there, knock doors, and let's create a really intense turnout in the midterms and make a difference in all of these critical elections. 
All right, so now it is golden pantsuit time, and this one is pretty special to me because um, it was just so exciting to watch this woman um, use her voice in such a cool way to express what I think so many people were feeling. So, so this week's golden pantsuit goes to Lindsay Lab. You may have seen her singing her viral song, A Scary Time for Boys, on Jimmy Kimmel. So Lindsay shared a video of her singing this song with the Pantsuit Nation community on October 8th. And by October 11th, the song had gone completely viral, and she had been invited to perform the song on Kimmel. Um, so let's listen to a clip of her appearance. I can't jog around the city with headphones on my ears I can't speak out against my rapist after 35 years I can't be taken seriously if I'm holding back tears And I can't ever speak earnestly about all these fears Cause it sure is a scary time for dudes Can't text a girl repeatedly asking for nudes Can't make a girl have sex when she's not in the mood And what gives her the right to give you attitude? Yeah, it sure is a scary time for men Girls like to act like you're to blame and they're the victim Her dress was short and she was drunk, she's not so innocent Thank God your dad's the judge and you won't be convicted Oh, oh wait a minute Oh yeah, no Oh yeah, cause uh <laughs> It's not such a scary time for boys They've always had the upper hand, they've always had a choice It's time for women to rise up, here's our collective voice The date of votes, November 6th So let's go make some noise So... Just listening to that song, it resonated and it went viral for a reason. It resonated because Lindsay is talking about the things that women know to be true, that there are so many things that we do on a daily basis to protect ourselves um, out in the world, in public, in our homes, to make sure that we're safe. And the idea that um, the president would suggest that the people that are in danger right now are men and boys because of the potential for fa false accusation uh, was absurd. And Lindsay wrote a very catchy song that hits the nail on the head with that absurdity. And I am so glad to see that so many people have gotten a chance to hear the song and appreciate it in all of its artistic glory. Um, so golden pantsuit to Lindsay Lab, superstar Pantsuit Nation member and person that I am certainly really excited to have uh, encouraging people to get out and vote on November 6th. So thank you so much to the guests in the podcast today, Carolyn DeWitt and Deb Holland, and to our team at Cadence 13, who is always so great in helping us get the show out to you. Um, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and please leave us a review if you like what you hear. It helps other people find the podcast. Um, visit us at pantsuitnation.org to learn more about our organization. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pantsuit Nation. And please subscribe to our Facebook Messenger platform by going to our Facebook page and clicking sign up. We are trying to reach 1 million voters by friend-to-friend -friend messaging on Facebook by Election Day. And you can help us get there. So click on sign up and that will take you to the uh, messaging service. And as always, please do remember that this democracy is your democracy. And staying engaged is the way that we can keep it that way. So I will be back next week with more exciting people who are running for office. And I will talk to you then. <laughs>